1037. Welcome back to the Pensacola Expert Panel. I'm Jenna Barr. If you would like to text in this morning or call, feel free to. would love to hear from you. I've got some texts coming in. Good morning. Still rainy, still slick on the roads, watching those roads for accidents. Please stay safe. Make sure your wipers are on, your lights are on. I'm getting a lot of messages about safety right now. So let's be safe and be mindful of one another. If you're heading out on the roads, make sure you have all your gear on and everything is working this morning. And please don't text and drive. So if you'd like to call in and ask a question with our expert, Terrence Gross, 850-437-1620. Good morning and happy holidays to you. You too. Glad to be here as usual. Um, you know, we were talking about how long you've been on the radio. I, I started radio in 1981 in uh, here in Pensacola. And it was all legal shows. And of course, uh, it's morphed into many things. So uh, I, I think I could say this, but I'm on many stations. But I'm on three stations under this uh, the ownership. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So I'm, in fact, as soon as I leave here, I'll be doing sports talk uh, on uh, 1330 AM uh, with the Seminole Network, ESPN. But anyway, uh, today I do have a legal topic that if anybody wants to call us with a question or a comment or text us, what number would that be? 437-1620, I'll get that call out. Well, good. And uh, I am a personal injury lawyer. I've been practicing for only 43 years. It's funny that they say practicing. Do you think I'd, I should still call it practicing after 43 years? Does it feel like practice? Uh, you know, I'm actually still learning. You know, I used to say this, the day that I stop learning is probably the day I need to retire. Um, yes. So I'm 68. I'm in practice with my two sons and my son-in-law. They're in the 30s. I have certainly mentored them greatly with uh, the practice of law. But you know what? I've learned a lot from them. And I've kept an open mind, especially on technology and so forth, because um, you know, I, I still dictate, I still have paper. And my youngest son goes, Paper? You know, <laughs> what do you, why do you want paper? You know, he, he so it's I a, like paper too, I will say. I, I I'm in actually my 30s, if you email like me a long something to read, if you whatever, a three page something to read, first thing I do is print it out, put my glasses on, and I read it. I, I have trouble reading off a computer. It's better for your eyes, by the way, right. if you're reading it off of paper. Well, so you're teaching us. All right. Well, whatever. But to, <laughs> I always come with a topic. And, and this topic, it just comes up so much. It, it comes up like several times a week in my practice or just in my everyday life. But, you know, every now and then I'll go to some kind of cocktail party. And, you know, a lot of the young lawyers, because they know my sons, they know me, and some young lawyer will come up to me and uh, say, can I ask you a question, Mr. Gross? And I go, well, sure. And, and and the conversation will be, well, I got this accident case I'm working on. They've seen a chiropractor. It's been about a year. Um, their MRI was pretty normal. What's that case worth? And then I look at them like they're from Mars. I said, how in the world do you really think I can give you an answer to that? Because... Every case is different. It's like snowflakes. And I'll represent four different individuals, maybe in the same wreck, in the same car. And they all will go away with different settlements. Um, and there's so many factors. That, I mean, even if there's a book on how to evaluate a case, that book probably wouldn't be worth the paper it's written on because so much really comes from a lawyer's gut. And I'll tell you one thing I learned early, early, early practicing personal injury law 
And there are books on this and there are lectures. And if you could see me do the quotations marks, which I'm doing, it's called the worthy plaintiff, the worthy plaintiff, the worthy accident victim. And of all the things I'll look at, one of the biggest factors I rely on is the credibility of my client. Because ultimately, if I'm going to sue, I have to make that decision first. That's a big decision. Do I sue or not? Do I accept this settlement offer or do I sue? And you got to trust your gut. So if your gut and you get to know the people, I mean, you meet them multiple times if you're a competent lawyer, and especially the meeting when you're trying to get settlement authority, that's usually a long meeting where you go over all the weaknesses and the strengths and how the accident happened and the MRIs and the doctors and the medical bills and the lost wages. And you look at all these things and then you're still trying to get a read on your client. Is your client a malingerer? Is your client a exaggerator? Is your client a good historian? Would a jury like this client? I mean, these are things I ask myself. In fact, even though only 1% of all cases go to a jury, I always pretend every case is going to a jury for two reasons. One, I don't get want to get caught with my pants down, so I'm always going to be prepared as if I'm going to court. But number two, I'm asking, what would six strangers think of this client? And let me give you some great examples. I'm going to give you some super, super examples. And I will tell you before I give you the examples that some people innately just make good witnesses. They just make good witnesses. They took a client's deposition uh, of one of my clients yesterday, just yesterday. And the guy gave a great deposition, very truthful. But in the deposition, he admitted that he dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. He admitted that as a young man at 18 years old, he was convicted of armed robbery and did prison time. Uh, And yet his deposition was fantastic because he was so honest about everything, even that stuff. He didn't hide it, didn't. Transparency helped. Very transparent. And he he had been involved in a big wreck. And, you know, he had broken ribs and they had all these injuries. And he basically told the lawyer yesterday that everything is fine. I got better every body part because he had initially, he was a mess Mm -hmm. except for his low back. And he says, my low back is a booger. And he's had low back surgery, says it's still not better. And I just deal with it. But he rang with so much credibility where I've had clients in the past who said, this hurts, that hurt. I mean, I had one lady trying to argue that her feet had become flat because she'd hit the, the floorboard with her feet to brace before the accident, and now she was saying she had flat feet. I mean, and I was thinking, I don't want to argue that in front of a jury. And, I, and I've had, you know, um, all kinds of stuff, you know, argued. But anyway, so you don't have to be a Ph.D. to be an effective good witness. You just have to be perceived as honest and forthcoming and not evasive, and, and that's what this guy, that guy accomplished all that, even though he wasn't educated um, and, and just came, he just rung the truth. What, the deposition just came, he just rung of the truth. I think I could tell the other lawyer was hitting him, boom, boom, right. boom. But I could see by the end of it that the lawyer was like, God, I didn't, I didn't get anywhere. Yeah. Because I always hoping to catch somebody lying or fudging. 
oh, naturally, I mean, a lot of money can be on the line. And I think that's where being honest and transparent and as as the plaintiff, you need to make sure that that is the kind of person you are because it could ruin everything. You get nothing by being dishonest. But also some people just innately make better witnesses. So let me give you the best examples. About 15 years ago, and this is just a coincidence. It was a sheer coincidence, but I'm representing two different ladies. They're both about the same age. They're both probably in their 40s. They both were rear-ended, so liability was not an issue. Neither of them had had prior injuries. The people, these are two separate accidents now. They just happened to come to me about at the same time. So these cases were, you know, the accidents happened about the same time, but there were some common denominators. So they chose the same lawyer, which was me. The insurance company for each defendant was State Farm. That's just coincidence. And State Farm on those given cases had a 50,000 limit. And just sheer coincidence. So I'm working the cases. They're separate and apart. These cases had nothing really in common. And one lady's seen these doctors and one lady's seen these doctors. But then because the accidents happened at about the same time, I tried to settle both cases at the same time. And my evaluation on both cases was that both injury cases were worth the defendant's 50,000 limits. So I demanded 50,000 for lady number one. And I demanded 50000 for lady number two. And State Farm lowballed me on both. So I bring both ladies in and we, we file lawsuits. Well, since it was State Farm, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that they chose the same lawyer to defend the actions and defend the action. And the lawyer was one I was very familiar with. Um, very hard-nosed lawyer, good lawyer. Very good lawyer, but just a hard-nosed lawyer that kind of took at depositions would really go at my clients. He always did. He just didn't ask questions. I mean, he was a headhunter at the depositions and I've warned my clients about this and, and just, you know, you brief them and, and whatever. So he takes lady number one's deposition. Well, lady number one was a local businesswoman, very strong type, a personality, a strong woman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he tried to get her to say this. He tried to twist this and she just shot him down. Every time he tried to twist a word, she says, that's not what I said, sir. I said this. And then later on, he tried to do something again, come back. She says, no, no, not, that's not what I said. I like it. And she hung in there and gave a great, great, credible deposition. And shortly after that deposition, they paid me the 50,000 limits. Well, lady number two. Yeah was a very nice lady. Nice, 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 but very meek, very socially awkward, was a homemaker, lived in a trailer, probably never went out of the trailer. And I don't know anything about the lady, but just, she was a mouse. Mm -hmm. She was just an introvert. Nice person. Right. But just an introvert. Mm -hmm. And so in the deposition, he rolled all over her. And by the end of the deposition. Had he asked her, isn't it true, ma'am, that you really are an axe murderer? I think she would have said yes, just to avoid confrontation. She was trying to give it. She gave in to him to avoid confrontation. She just didn't want. So her deposition was awful. So the lawyer leaves the room. The court reporter leaves the room. Her husband had been sitting in. So her husband watched the deposition with me. And she looks up at me and she goes, how do I do, Mr. Gross? 
And I was gonna, you know, I was starting to tell her, and I was really worried that her husband would defend her, would jump on me. Mm-hmm. So I started saying, well, ma'am, you said this. That's not really what you've been telling me. Right. And you agreed to this, and that's not what you told me before this deposition. And then the husband interrupted me. It says, Mr. Gross is right. And by the way, you said this, you said that. So he took a lot of middle notes too. Oh, wow. And basically told her that, that she gave an awful deposition. So then she says to me, well, if we go to trial, I'll do better, Mr. Gross. I'll do better at trial. I said, no, you won't. Mm-hmm. Because we were just in a quiet room. All we have is a court reporter here. Right. If we go to court, you're going to have a judge. You're going to have a jury. Mm-hmm. If you think you're nervous today, you're going to be five times that. Plus, now they have a transcript where you admitted to all these things that I don't think are true. Right. So she wasn't a liar. She was trying to take the path of least resistance. And because of her weakness as a witness for herself, I had to cave in. And unfortunately, I settled that case for 25000 So both cases to me were worth the fifty. Right. But as a trial lawyer, I'm thinking, would I want to go to court? When lady number one, I'd have been glad to go to court. Because I think a jury would have liked her. She would have come off as honest. And I knew that the lawyer couldn't push her around. Right. Lady number two, I wouldn't know what, what would come out of her mouth. Uh, a friend of mine uh, just lost a case a couple weeks ago in Bay County. Um, had been offered $100,000 on a case that he thought the person was worthy and and injured. Um, and the jury ended up giving zero. And <gasps> oh. he, uh, I was talking to him about it. And he says, well... And he's my age, so we've known this a long time. And he goes, well, I knew my client wouldn't be received well. I was really trying to push a you know a, a square peg in a round hole. Mm. So he really prepared. He did every. He says, I couldn't have done anything different. But when my client took the stand, the case just, I, we lost it. And, and I lost a case a year ago uh, with a, a, a client that just wasn't a good witness. So I think that's the biggest important. There, of course, medical bills are important. Who caused the wreck is important. There's so many different variables, but the spotlight is on that plaintiff. Mm-hmm. And the more I like the plaintiff, the more believable they are. And it really, to me, it doesn't matter if they're male or female or old or young or educated or not or black or white. I don't care about any of that. Some people... Just make good witnesses. I, I had a guy gave a deposition, uh, and we got a big settlement in litigation. They took his deposition about nine months ago, and after his deposition, they gave us a lot of money. And this guy, actually, uh, just a hard nose. Uh, he dropped out of school in the eighth grade. Mm. Self-taught. He was a self-taught auto mechanic. Uh, a real tough. I guess you'd call him a redneck. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if fair enough. But just a tough. Show not a, he went. He was never nice to me. Never gave me a compliment. Even though we got a great settlement, he was that type of guy. He was just a kind of a curmudgeon. Yeah, but he came off so Rough honest. Around the edges, yeah. But he came off honest. In yeah. result, he wasn't the nicest person in the world, but his complaints seemed so genuine, and he was a good historian about before and after and this and what bothered him, and. He his testimony rung of the truth. So if it rings of the truth, a jury's going to pick up on that. But if you catch a client that's kind of grasping for straws, um, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to embellish, a jury should pick up on that. A good defense lawyer is going to exacerbate that and really bring it in front of the jury. Right. But but yeah, should so you like sit down with your client. We try to, yeah. but you, you you can't. A leopard doesn't change its spots. That's true. 
and, and you try and you try. That's what my friend just who just lost his case, he tried. He said I, he met with this client so many times, mm. and he rated her. He was hoping for her to be a six at trial. He was hoping through his good work and right. preparation to make her a six. She was Help a two. Uh, that's two. It's- I mean, when a jury gives a person zero at trial, that that's a signal. That That's telling you we don't like this case. Wow. And it's usually we don't like your plaintiff. I mean, having somebody who has gone uh, through the – process and having to go through a deposition after an accident uh the lawyers they'll do everything to twist your words they'll use the insurance company to try to twist your words and you have to really like i kept a journal because i had uh, memory loss from hitting my head so hard wow um that it was short-term memory loss where i would do something and i would be in the process of doing it and i would just stop and I would forget what I was doing and it would freak everybody out around me. But I kept, I started keeping a journal. It was a little wired spiral notebook, right? And it helped me because they would try to trip me up because in the middle of talking to the lawyer, they would be like, so what just happened? They would try to use the short term. And I'm not saying everybody's a dirty dog, but you have to be honest you have to be honest and be prepared too, but that part of you as well that is, uh, I guess, feisty, <laughs> feisty and knowing, like I'm going to be a feisty truth teller. You well, have let me to give, have that. Let me give one more story that you're going to enjoy before we run out of time. So years ago, 20 years ago, I'm representing someone like yourself from one of the other stations. Uh, he did the the news. He was a news broadcaster, beautiful voice, just over the air is perfect radio voice and he was in a real bad head-on collision mm-hmm. with a uh, drunken driver had a head injury and ended up with what we call aphasia phasia, which is sort of what you're describing it was the inability to form words and complete sentences and it was really bad i mean he really in normal conversation it was it was more than just a stutter it but yet he kept his job and how he did it Everything had to be scripted, so he type up everything he's going to say, whether it's the weather or about Rex, wherever he's doing, and he could read the written word perfectly. And there was that beautiful voice on the air. He sounded perfect. As soon as he got off the air, and then he just had to talk naturally, he couldn't do it. So bad aphasia, but they thought he was faking. So they they uh they lowballed us. They offered us like forty thousand dollars in this case. I'm thinking you got to be kidding me, and um. We wanted 200000 So we go to court, and when they cross-examined him, they had gotten one of his recent shows, and they played it with him reading perfectly. And he's, aha, we got you. Because yep. here he is on the air, and he, his voice is perfect. And the jury had already heard me go through direct examination where he stuttered and stammered and tried to you know, do his best to talk. And then I got to redirect him. So the, all judges have the books on their desk, all the you know, the case law, right? The uh, yes, statutes. Yes, yes, yes. So I said, pull out that statute, sir. So he pulls out a book. I said, open up any page you want. And he opened up a page. I said, read that page to the jury. And there was that perfect voice. He just took a page, never seen it, and read perfectly, like wow. a whole statute. And their mouths dropped. And then we closed the statute. And that ended by... Well, tell me your wife's name and your children's. And, and there he started stuttering and and they got it. And we won that case. 
uh, you know, but they were calling because it was because tests didn't really show anything. All the tests were like, you know, it wasn't like a, it was no yes. great brain injury nope. result, nope. It, but it was real. Mm-hmm. That's and, crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy trial, crazy result. But I'll tell you, that's why you need the right lawyer on your side to get to know you throughout the process and for you to just be fully honest and transparent as well. And that's what you have when you go and see Terry and his team, his family team at Gross and & Schuster. And we're about out of time as usual. So let me just say a few ending comments uh, besides happy holidays to everybody. If you want to call us uh, in Pensacola, you can call us at 850 850- Four three four three 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 three. We have five offices throughout the Panhandle, Pensacola, Milton, Crestview, Fort Walton, and Navarre. The best way to really contact us is through our website, grossandschuster.com. Take care, y'all. If you drink over the holidays, please do not drive.